May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before a fire. May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing to pray in praise of his name. Exalt him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before his name. He is Lord. As father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Father, thank you that this morning we can worship and we can honour you as church. Thank you for the good news. That you are the father to the fatherless. That you reach into this world and you love us so much. And I pray, Lord, today uh, for every father that is here, for their role and their divine calling. I pray, God, that you will bless them and encourage them and give them fortitude and give them strength. I pray, God, that their spiritual lives will come alive And that God, that every man associated with Willow Park Church will know what it is to walk in righteousness and walk devoted to the Lord, 100% devoted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, we pray, God, that you will meet every need. And we thank you for the power of Psalm 68 that declares that you are the God in heaven. And that you have arisen, Lord. You have arisen and enemies will scatter. And Father, I pray that for each one of us at this moment that feel like they're facing enemies. Lord, I pray and thank you that we don't have to fight on our own. But the Lord stands over us. And when the Lord is over us, the enemy, (laughs) enemies will be scattered. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that every enemy of every family, of every situation, of every unspoken prayer request, of every feeling, of every dark battle of spirit will be scattered in the name of Jesus. And that you will come and minister to us, Lord, I ask. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Welcome to those of you who have joined us online from across the country and around the world. We're delighted that you're joining us. And for our online community, which has been uh, growing and developing, we're glad that you've joined us. And we're glad that you call Willow Park home your church. If you've got a teenager, uh, then follow uh, Jonah and Katrina uh, that way, and go and have a um, have the, whatever they'll be doing. It will probably involve sweets and food and making them wired. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm glad that you're with us. And this, of course, is Father's Day. And thank you, Jordan, for mentioning and promoting uh, the luscious hundreds upon hundreds of uh, sausage rolls that are available out there. 
Uh, are there something called that, like that? I think they're wrapped in... I don't know, I'm making it up. Okay. It's going to be good, though. I promise you. That's what Jordan said, not me. Uh, he promised it was going to be good. This, of course, is Father's Day. And, and one can either dodge Father's Day by sharing about it, or one can dive in and, and try and handle some of the uh, issues around fatherhood, around Father's Day, and around our responsibility and our society and our culture that we live in. I think one of my best memories, and I sent my father, who is 80 this August, so I am flying back to England after three and a half years and uh, to celebrate his 80th um, uh, birthday and uh, to be there uh, for a week. And, and I'll be talking a little bit about my father, but some of my uh, memories as a boy, some of my fun memories, uh, well, first of all, he loved cars. Oh, he had a, what's called a Jensen Interceptor. He also had a, a Jaguar V8, and that was awesome. And uh, a few other Jaguars. He kind of liked Jaguars. But I do remember once uh, reaching 140 miles an hour. He wasn't a Christian. Um, <laughs> he isn't, actually. Um, uh, 140 miles an hour in his Jensen Interceptor going up the M6. And I was so cold that I had to crash down because he decided to do it with the roof off because it was a convertible. I remember that moment. And you know, as we know, that if we speed, the angels leave us over that. Yeah, yeah. But remember, if you pass 120 miles, the demons leave us. Uh, but... I love this verse, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. I often tell the story to the youth that I remember uh, being young and boisterous and lively and, and, and going out onto our housing area and in down towards the railway tracks and on my little bicycle. And there we would all gather on our bicycles, trying to be a tough little gang of eight-year-olds and six-year-olds. And the kids from the other area across the tracks would arrive on their choppers and their bikes rally chopper, and as they would arrive, we would then, you know, exchange words to each other and shout and, and throw, I guess, uh, childish abuses at each other, and they would throw a stick or a stone, and I was, I was part of this, as you cannot imagine, being quite vocal, and I was going for this, and I was going, oh, come on, come on, come and get me. If you're tough, come and get me. And I looked to my left, I looked to my right, and, and all of my friends had disappeared. <laughs> At which a horde, and I will say a great horde of cycling little children were rushing towards him, shouting, get him. Him in his little red wellies. I was wearing red wellies. Uh, you know, little red boots. That was in for boys then. And then, then I, I, I turned round and I, I, I cycled away and I, was, I could hear the screaming. I could hear the screaming. I, you know when you're cycling when you're small, but you, could, you can actually run faster than you can cycle. So I left my, I abandoned my bike and started running. I'm running down the road and stones were throwing past me and I bumped into this massive stomach. I looked up. I knew it was my dad. 
He had a big stomach. <laughs> and he's standing there with a rake. And he says, he starts swinging this rake. It was a beautiful memory. <laughs> so I'm swinging this rake and he says, get away from my son or I'll get you with the rake. And they all stopped. And my dad pushed me behind his mighty back. And he said, go away, be gone, be gone. And I stuck my head out. I was like, I felt the cover and the shadow of my father. And I want to remind you something, that when you are a child of God this morning with this message, I want to remind you that when you are a child of God, God stands over you. He is a protector. He is there with the rake. He is there as the enemies come around and he is a father that loves us, a father that protects us, a father that surrounds us. And yet what we know is he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of, uh, of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Psalm 68, a beautiful psalm, a psalm of David where he declares, but this line strikes me this morning. He is a father to the fatherless. And this is the good news of the gospel, that we live in a world that is that is abandoned. We live in a world that is full of pain. We live in a world where we need fathers and we need them to rise up. We need them to be present. We need them to be involved. And yet so often in secular society, this is being undermined. In, in society, we're seeing the decay of this role. And what we understand is that even in your own life, where you feel as if you may have been abandoned, I want to tell you the good news that in Jesus Christ he said he said so clearly I will not leave you an orphan but God will be your father he's your father and the photograph I looked at this week in preparation it was a little boy he's 10 years old standing at an airport in the United States he's smiling he's next to his dad his dad's a big man Academic, studied at Harvard, an African, stands next to him with his arm around him and the picture captures what seems to be a joyous reunion, a moment of father and son together. But the real story is very different, of course. Because as a 10-year-old boy, that boy hadn't seen his father since he was two. And now he was 10, eight years had gone by. And after that short visit of two, two and a half weeks, three weeks, that boy would never see his father again. Even though that boy would go on himself to go to a prestigious university, that boy himself would enter politics, that boy himself, Barack Obama, would one day become the president of the United States. And in his famous biography where he writes about a relationship with a father that he never saw. 
He writes about the pain and the agony. He writes about the moment in a dream one night when he sees his father locked in a prison. And as he sees his father locked in a prison, he wakes up that morning and his pillow is soaking wet from his tears. And this day, on Father's Day 20 years ago, as a rising politician, Barack Obama spoke in a South Chicago church and he challenged the men of his generation. He challenged the men of his community. He challenged the men of Chicago and beyond. And his challenge was quite interesting. He says it's time for men to be present. It's time to be present in lives. Because so often what we have acted like is children, he said, and not like men. And it's time to rise up. It's time too often, he says, men are missing from the home. Men have abandoned the home. Men have faced this and they have not created the right foundation. And in that speech, which you can hear on YouTube, he declares that the foundation is strong families. And the foundation is that Dads and fathers must not be absent in America because when fathers are absent in America, he declares, that is when there comes the toxicity and the problems and the difficulties. Whatever you think of politics, leaving that aside, you hear a man's cry. A man's cry at that moment where he is speaking to his community and saying, come on, Father, step in, don't step out. But there is a reality, a spiritual reality in our world and in our Western world where, and he writes about the fatherless generation in America that is becoming so toxic because they have lost a direction and yet the most important thing is for us as fathers is that we would be present, whatever that means. In the same way that God loves you and God is present in your life, that we would be present. Now I say this as a son who was raised by a single mother. My family split up when I was 12, 13 years old, and she gloriously and courageously raised two sons who went on to run successful lives, to have families. He, she raised us with belief and courage. And yet so easy, as, as Barack Obama said in his 20-year-old his, his speech, we know the statistics, we know that, that a, a child without a father's present in the house is more likely to, and they go through the kind of sad list of to use substances, to be involved in, in, in criminal activities, Percentage after percentage, research after research, the negative message. But I want to tell you that even though there's an epidemic of loneliness, there is an epidemic of fathers missing, even though there is an epidemic of pain in this area, that the church is not the problem, the church is part of the solution. 
is our message declares that God the Father comes into this world and takes all of us that are orphans and there, where you are lacking, God comes and heals you. Where you are broken, he comes and redeems you. Where you feel fatherless, he says, I will be your father. See, you can have a father present, but still be fatherless. But I do remember, if I may have a moment of reminiscence, being a young teenage convert with a younger brother five years old and having an absent father, if you like. And I remember us particularly recognizing that God was our father in our home. And when we prayed, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name every night. We meant that because God was our Father in our home. And when God is your Father in your home, it heals your brokenheartedness. When God is the Father of the fatherless, he comes and brings hope. He brings confidence. He reverses the statistics and the church has a role, whatever role that may be, that we see a fatherless generation that is in pain, that is abandoned, that is lost and yet through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross we can welcome all the orphans of the world and declare that there is a father in heaven who welcomes and wants to stand over them and declare get away from my son, get away from my daughter, or I'll get you with the rake. He's there. He loves you. Oh, but we know. When I, I, maybe you've been involved with young juveniles. Maybe in your profession you're a, involved in courts. Maybe you've been a police officer. I know, that, I know there's police officers here, retired police officers. People that have been involved in the justice system. It's always interesting, isn't it, that when it comes to court trials and the young men are there, that it's always the mothers are in court and the fathers are often missing in those scenarios. But those young men in that court system need to know the love of the father and the father's heart and the father's love. One British chaplain uh, in a prison thought it'd be a brilliant idea on Mothering Sunday to buy his 500 inmates, each of them, and offer them a mother's card. So he did this, and he was very excited. An Anglican evangelical uh, uh, chaplain to that prison, and he arranged for 500 individual cards to be delivered to the prison. He spoke to all the prisoners, and he said to them, now please take them. And if you want to write something and say thank you to your mothers, <clears throat> then I will post them for you. Every card went. He was overwhelmed. He was full of joy. He was full of, he's amazing, he writes. He's incredible. So he thought, I'll do it on Father's Day. He bought 500 cards. He writes in his memoir, not one card was taken that day. Now, I think that's a little bit of qualitative research that tells you something, doesn't it? 
It tells us something that there's a broken world that needs the love of God and needs the gospel. Now, I've met many fatherless children who have come to faith and have found Jesus Christ and God has healed their broken wounds and brought them through to to life, to joy, to confidence, has broken any statistic analysis because let me tell you, when you have the creator God on your side, then it doesn't mean that the past past then affects the future, it means that the future is changed because you've joined a new family and it's the family of the kingdom of God. You see, it's not popular to say, but strong marriages build strong families and build a strong society. And that's why it's important that we don't opt out, we opt in, we build, we push forward, we welcome all. The church is part of the problem. And why is this? It's because I believe that there is a spiritual battle over every generation. There is a demonic spiritual battle over families, over nations, and the tactic of the enemy of the enemy is to come and is to orphan a generation. Because when an, a generation is orphaned, then there is pain, then there is problems, then there is agony. Right back to the beginning, when the enemy appeared in the serpent and spoke to there at the beginning to Adam and Eve, his goal was to do one thing, to break the connection with the Father and to orphan the, them and bring them out away from the arms and the love of the Father. That's been his tactic ever since. Why? Because he is the ultimate orphan. The enemy is the ultimate orphan. And he wants to make us feel as if we are lost, as if we are not loved, as if God does not care for us. But in church life, of course, powerful verse, James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as a pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When a church is healthy, when a church is moving in the power of the gospel and the good news of Jesus and the work of the Spirit, what we can see is orphans Orphans from every part of society, orphans who are lost, people who are bereft, come into the church and they find freedom. They find healing and they discover actually that they are loved by God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a remarkable thing. It makes such a difference I was thinking this week about the story of Michael Jackson. And you know, when you read his story and you think about the kind of systematic abuse that Joe Jackson gave towards those boys in that family, and the anxiety and the pain, and of course, 
in that famous Oprah Winfrey interview, he starts to bear his heart as never seen before and talks about how he felt the anxiety that as a small boy, if his dad would arrive, he'd throw up. He would hide. He would be afraid that in rehearsals, Joe Jackson would sit there with a belt ready to administer any mistake, would terrify and terrorize those 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 children, and yet when Michael Jackson spoke to the Oxford Union, when a rarer moment addressed in Britain, he came and spoke to the whole Oxford Union, he said, you know that when you are born in this world, if you know that somebody loves you, and then when you leave this world still knowing that somebody loves you, then what happens in between you can get through it. Well, I want to say to Michael Jackson, a little difficult now, of course, but I want to say to all the Michael Jacksons of this world that you can know that when you were born, you were loved because God saw you while you've been knitted in the mother's womb. And if you receive the Father's love, he heals the wounds of the past. He comes and brings a purpose. He brings a solid foundation. He brings that presence into a person's life that makes all of the difference. He comes. And the beautiful thing about healing is that it's never too late. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know. There are many things, but I want to say that every father, every person can give good gifts. I love this, how in verse 11 it says, when Jesus talks about about giving gifts, and of course he ends up about giving gifts of, of the Holy Spirit to the world. He says, which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What is fascinating about this verse is that Jesus acknowledges that, yes, fathers, we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God as Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, we know how to give good gifts. And the message of Father's Day is that for all of us men, we know how to give good gifts. We know how to give encouragement. We know how to give love. We know how to encourage. We know how to communicate. We know that we can reach out, that we can support, that we can make a difference. And it's never too late, fathers, to start giving good gifts to our children. It's never too late. And the greatest gift you can give is an honest and a devoted love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you touch the Father's heart, you will touch your children with the Father's heart. But it takes guts, guys. And many men are not willing to go on that journey. But God has given many good gifts in your life to bless your children. And it's not too late. But even 
the influence of grandfathers and uncles and mentors and friends in the life of children is a blessing. Now I realize that by talking about this subject we can stir up things in our hearts. (sighs) Because we all feel wounds often. We may not admit it. We all feel I wish it could have been different. We may have had an abusive father. We may have had an absent father. We may have had a workaholic father. We may have had a passive father. Or an ill father who was unable. There's so many stories, aren't there? There are so many stories. I guess uh, my story is an absent father. But the beautiful thing is in Jesus is that when the father runs to the prodigal son, the father comes and embraces that son and loves him. And that is a message for all those who feel a breath who feel lost, who feel abandoned, who feel like there's no hope. There is a God in heaven that looks at you with eyes of compassion, with eyes of love, that runs down that road. Oh, my favorite story in the Bible, the prodigal son. You know the story? He goes off, he eats with the pigs in the pig pen, and and he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs are eating, but no one gave him anything really selfish pigs in that pig pen. And, and he comes to his senses. He says, I will go back to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Because we all think it's about the speeches we make. The Father's love is not about your best speech. The Father's love is about bringing your true heart and surrendering it to God's love. Forget the words. And he makes his way back. But while he was still a long way off, his father looked at him, was filled with compassion for him. He got up. He ran down towards his son. Can you imagine that moment? He's running down. And as he's running, you know, the old man, can you imagine? First of all, imagine your father running. It's frightening. My dad does have a long beard and still quite a large stomach. Sorry, dad, if you ever watch this. But... He's running down and he's going, Dad, Dad, I've sinned against heaven, against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Dad, 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 what are you doing running? He's running down. His his beard flapping in the wind. He grabs him. And he covers him. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now what did he do? He threw his arms around him. Do you know why he threw his arms around him and he covered him? Because the son was full of shame, full of guilt, full of mistakes, full of pain, and yet the father covered his shame. 
And when Christ died upon the cross and rose on the third day, he came to throw the Father's arms around us so that your shame, your guilt, your pain is covered by God's love. By God's love. He threw it around. And then he kissed him. I'm very glad that God's not English. Because he'd be, hello, son. Welcome. Let's have a cup of tea. Mwah. Welcome here. Aren't you glad that God's not your nationality? Germans? Really? Come on. Yeah, come on. I don't know where you're from, but our nationalities seem to wrap our dads up into kind of not being expressive, into not doing that. Some of our uh, national attitudes, our national prides. Oh, I don't know. I just imagine God's more Italian. Like, like he's, ah, oh, get the pasta. Here I come. I'm already here. Here I come. But the truth is, is that God comes and then he heals our brokenness. And he comes and brings peace. And I would love it. I don't know how, just restudying this whole theme and reading a couple of books, that the message of the Father heart of God needs to come to this broken world. The message of healing we live in a broken, messed up world. I've already told you about my messed up. You've got messed up. You're messed up. We're all messed up. But we all come and the father runs and he covers us. And he says, you know, he ran to him. Why did he run to him? Because if the community saw him without the father covering him, there would be great shame in that culture. But he ran to him to stop him from entering in. He then welcomed him outside so he could cover him. And then he brings him in back to the home. And God has covered you. He has forgiven you. He has healed you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring that love. He wants to do that. I love my dad. He was absent. And I remember as in my 20s, I had to grapple with this. I had to decide, would I be an angry 20-year-old or would I allow the Father's heart to love me? Could I still honor? Could I still step in? Could I still be a good son, even though he was suffering with so much going on in his life, with social anxiety and worries and and depression, and trying to just get his own life together, and that was rooted in his father's pain. You know, I had to make a decision, and my decision was this. One, I would let Jesus heal my heart, and I would let God be my father. And two, even though I may not get what I'm always looking for, I choose to be the best son I could possibly be. Because I will bless and not curse. Because I belong to a new line. I belong to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I'm of the line of David. I've been born through the new covenant. I am a child of the king and I am no longer an orphan. Satan's power is broken and I have been redeemed into the God's kingdom and filled with his love. 
So I can get on. I can get healed. I can get over it. And I can be the best servant of the Lord I possibly can be. And it's all forged in prayer. It's all forged in worship. It's all forged in bringing our hearts to God and saying, God, I forgive. I confess. I let go. I bless. I bless. I bless because life is tough. But if you're born into this world knowing that you are loved and you leave this world knowing that you're loved, you can get through anything in between. And I don't mean human love. I mean know God's love. And you can get through anything. Let's pray together. Let's stand. You know, I'm going to ask, just before we start to sing, uh, pastors and elders and their wives to come and be available. And if you this morning would just like prayer in any of this, we want this to be a house of prayer and we want people to come for prayer. Um, So I'm going to invite them to come. Thank you. And as we do this and sing this, let's remind ourselves these words. But let's pray. For a moment, whatever your story is, maybe for a moment it's a story of forgiveness. Maybe it's a story of release. Maybe again you're coming and you're forgiving your father. What feels like for the 70th time, but Jesus said forgive 70 times. 70. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Maybe today is just a time for blessing. Maybe you're a father and you're going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an adjustment. I'm going to do things different. Maybe the wound is so deep that you do need some spiritual surgery and the Lord just come and heal you. He does that. He does it so beautifully. So, Father, I pray this day and thank you for those hardworking men in this church. Thank you for those fathers that are present. Thank you for those that have tried their best. Thank you for those that serve Jesus with all their heart. Thank you for those that have an open heart, a loving heart, an encouraging heart. speak words of blessing as Abraham spoke to his children Lord may we leave here and be a blessing to our families whatever age we are full of the love of God and may this church be a church that reaches to the fatherless that they may discover the father help us Lord I pray hallelujah we welcome you father to come close to us now. Amen. Let's sing this song and as we do, you do some time with the Lord and
worship him and let him do something with you and, and invite prayer. They're already here. That's lovely.